All right. Well, hey guys. Hey, we're back again. Uh, episode four. four? four time. Yeah, because the last one was a oh two part. Gosh. Number four. Number four. Oh my gosh, guys! This is exciting. Welcome back. Yeah. Thanks for coming back again. Apparently, you still like us. It's amazing. It is amazing. This is a good one. This is a good case too. Um, I wait. Say who you are. Oh, I just assume when they click on it. Uh, this is Renee. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Mindy. And this is Cookies and Crime. This is Cookies and Crime. Welcome. The Cookies and the Crime. Mm-hmm. We're going to, if you listened to the last episode, you know we're, we're switching up the format just a little bit since our first episode because we're growing and changing. We're learning. As we are. Um, we will be doing the crime first and the cookies second. So that we end. Yeah, at the season. end. Yeah. We're a savory note. We're a savory note. Who knows? It'll be a yummy snack time, though, so hopefully to pep us back up after we talk about some pretty horrible stuff that ruins our day. Yep. Um, yeah. So, we've covered a lot of women so far. A lot, meaning three female victims so far. Yes. In this season of Cookies and Crime. We have finally arrived to a case involving a male victim. Which was interesting as a personal yeah also this one happened only a couple decades after miss hazel drew so we're like moving along into the okay 20th century early 20th century yeah so picture it 1929 oh boy now i covered this case actually um on a previous podcast that i mentioned in the first episode that i did with my best friend caitlin called let's dabble you can actually still listen to it on spotify it's just not going to be new stuff right now she decided to have a baby and kind of cuts into the podcast yeah for sure um so if you've listened to that though this case is going to sound really familiar to you because it was one of the few true crime cases she let me dabble in on that podcast she doesn't like gore she doesn't like dark stuff but she did let me cover this case because it's more like a riddle ooh, than gory which you know, so it's a little bit it's a little bit lighter, but on this podcast, we've decided to focus a lot more on humanizing the victims because they're a human being because they're human beings and life, their life is taken away from them. So when I covered this on Let's Dabble, I focused more on the how. Mm-hmm. How did this crime happen? How did the killer pull it off? How, how, how? This time when I cover it, I'm going to cover mo- possible motivations. I'm going to talk more about or Isidore Fink as a person, so that it just gives a different perspective. So if you've heard this case before, hopefully this is a different angle that you haven't heard because the internet kind of focuses on the how as well. Yeah. Because it's it's it is really and it's it's unsolved. I've noticed I've done only unsolved cases yeah. so far. Yeah. That's not I don't Intriguing. I don't think that's gonna be like the a long lasting trend, but it is so far. Hmm. So here we go. Okay. So let's see. Let's see. Let's start 1929. In the New Roaring Twenties. We're in New York again. Because Hazel Ooh, Drew was also yeah. in New York. Um, man, I just like early 20th century New York, apparently. Um, Isidore Fink, though, I'm going to take you out of New York for a second. Isidore Fink was born in Galicia? 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 Poland. Poland. He's from Poland. Okay. He was born either in 1892 or 1899. Now, I'm unsure 
because I have found multiple records of this guy and none of them are consistent. Interesting. Yeah. 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 So if you focus on the first um, article ever written about this case, then he died at age 30. Okay. Which means he was born in 1899. But I don't know. I've read another source that said he was 36 when he died. I Hmm. don't know. But either way, 1890s is when he was born in Poland. Um, like a lot of Polish immigrants, shortly after World War One, he came to New York to find the American dream, mm-hmm. start his own business, how all of them wanted to do. You know, they sought some kind of relief and refuge from their previous existence. Um, for better or for worse, you, we know how that how that goes. A bunch of immigrants came through Ellis Island. Some of them met tragedy. Some of them just kind of hustled through until they found some shred of success. It was really crowded. New mm-hmm. England was really, really crowded. People gradually moved out to like the Midwest and out farther west. But um, yeah, so the American dream was kind of, maybe even now it's kind of, yeah, it's a matter of perspective. Well, and it's also, it's tough to make it. Yeah, and, yeah especially depending on what your definition of making it is. Right. Even if you're born in this yeah. country, yeah. you know, it, it really depends on a lot of factors. It, for sure. Yeah, like class. And, and this too, I mean, I, I think, I feel like there's still some resemblance of the class system now, obviously. Back then in the 20s, it was still a little more defined than mm-hmm. it is now, um, especially with the, like, slums were starting to be a thing. And for sure. Especially in crowded well, and. Yeah, in cities like that, you know, I yeah. feel like a lot of marginalized people mm-hmm. kind of just were stuck together. Yeah, in very close quarters. Right. Very overpopulated areas in some areas. A lot of the uh, Polish Americans that had just freshly come over uh, tended to cluster around the more industrial cities. So some of that was in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of that was in um, the upper New England area. Um, or uh, I should say like the mid New England area because New York is not super, super yeah. Right? Am I thinking of geography correctly? Yeah, New York is almost Midwest. Right? It's a little more west in, as yeah. far as New England goes. Yeah. yeah. But a lot of industry was I'm the same. worst person to ask like <laughs> geographical <laughs> yeah. questions. I'm like, yeah. Oh, You're being yeah. Though. Like, yeah. yeah. Right well, yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> exactly where New York is on a map. Jeez. Yes, this <laughs> is the uh, the Americas right here. America. It was in North America. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I can I can identify that on a map. Yeah. You can point to the U.S. vaguely, um, but there's a lot more uh, opportunity in these highly industrialized areas. Sure, which makes sense. Yeah, they're looking for you know workers. Yeah, and if you're like young Isidore Fink, you're entrepreneurial, so you want to migrate to those kinds. Yeah, of, those kinds of areas who have that had a. Uh, you have a lot more possibilities. Sure. Um, a lot of groups of immigrants, like the Polish, like the Irish, Italian, they were not super loved, not super welcomed. I'm sure you've heard, you're probably familiar with some other stories. A lot of um, prejudice was happening that wasn't even necessarily racism, like the color of your skin, rather. A lot of it, a lot of it still was, obviously, but mm-hmm. there were like, we were just talking about this just a little bit ago. Like you could you could have a conversation with someone who looks a lot like you, and then you find out they're Italian, and you're like, oh no! All of a sudden, they're not a human. You're trash. Yeah, go, I, go move to the slums now. I really don't 
understand, no. but you know. And it was it was it was like I mean it's still like that in a lot of ways mm -hmm. you know and And God forbid you have a different skin color different religion or you know anything anything that can be remotely polarizing this was a huge huge time for that and I think that's an important thing to keep in mind for the entirety of this case yeah prejudice just like just like today it was probably even worse it's alive and well sadly we've we've gotten progressive I think in generally speaking. I'm not saying the problem. Yeah, I, I feel like all. we're we're better at like actual like the public talking about it. Yes. Like as a society, we uh-huh. talk about it and we're like, hey, no, that's not okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which back then I feel like it was definitely You were kind of weird if you didn't have any prejudice. You know yeah, I mean? Oh, for sure. You were considered like a hippie. Yeah. Like a hippie dippy person who was a little bit yeah, it was it was just kind of like par for the course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was it was arguably worse for a lot of absolutely back then. So overcrowded prejudice is is just so prevalent. Um, keep both of those things in mind. I couldn't verify this specifically about um, Isidore, but I did look up his last name is Fink, and that is an Ashkenazi Jewish name, which is. Basically, the the type of Jewish people that are mostly from, like, Scandinavian areas, like Poland. Um, so it's probably safe to assume that not only was he a Polish immigrant, but he was also Jewish, which brought another layer of Absolute, prejudice exactly. in this poor man's life. So, yeah, keep that in mind, too. Again, it's unconfirmed, so you can consider this speculation, but it's a pretty good hunch that he had a lot going against him in this particular setting that he found himself in. Um, But he was determined. He was really scrappy. He made himself his own little home. He settled in New York City, East Harlem area. Um, And then he started his own business. Man, good for you, Isidore. Right? Like, he worked hard. He saved his money. He was, like, pretty independent. Um, His business was a laundry business called Fifth Avenue Laundry, which I Googled it, and there are at least five Fifth Avenue laundries (laughs) in New York now. Um, But I'm sure he started it. I'm sure he was, like, the first. We'll give him credit. He is the OG Fifth Avenue Mm -hmm. Laundry. Um, His living quarters, because he lived in the slums, like a lot of immigrants at that time, he, uh, his living quarters was attached to the ground level space he used for his laundry business. Now, I'm assuming it's like a two-story though. Mm-hmm. So like the bottom floor is the laundry business, the top floor is where he actually lived. Um, I looked up the address to see if I could find pictures of the area and there's still townhouses there. I don't know if they're the original that were like re- renovated or if they started over with a completely new structure. Um, but I, I showed you the picture. Yeah. It's pretty standard as far as townhouses in big cities go. Um, they're pretty tall, so that, you know, makes me assume it's a bottom floor, top floor. I see yeah. that, though, because the first time I read this, it sounded to me like it was a duplex. Mm. Like one half was the laundry, one yeah, half was yeah. the apartment, but I don't think that's true. I think no. I was making that up. Um, anyway, it, it's important to also note, in terms of setting, that crime rates were skyrocketing. The economy was plummeting. And when people are poor, they get desperate. Yeah, because this is like right around the Great Depression. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Is. So yeah. people are getting free It was, a, yeah, it was a rough, that was a rough time. And um, so he was, he also lived through World War One in Poland. And that, at that time, 
that was a war zone. He lived in a war zone. Yeah, so he's been through it. Yeah, he he moved from a war zone to like a dangerous, slummy area where he could probably get robbed at any moment. So mm-hmm. this guy was justifiably paranoid. Yeah. I would be too. So he he locked his doors all the time. He barred his window. Like he like bolted yeah. his windows. He didn't even really let customers in unless he knew them to his laundry shop. Gotcha. Which is an interesting way to run a business. Yeah. Um, but he was successful, so I'm assuming that he like maybe word of mouth, mm-hmm. maybe friends bought brought friends, maybe he did business through the door. I don't know. But he was he was paranoid and security conscious enough that he doesn't let strangers. Yeah. Even into his place of business. Like, no, no, you're not going to rob me. Not today. Not today. So anyway, on March 9th of 1929 is when our case occurs. And it occurs at 1015 at night. Okay, so it's dark. It's dark. Isidore was making some laundry deliveries, finished up for the day, and then he was going to return home. So do they, do they drop off their clothes? Then he yes. like, and then he I gotcha, them. I gotcha. He washed them, he ironed them, he delivered them. Um, can, I wish, like, I would. A lot of laundry places did that because they were so, so cool. You know, they weren't widespread like they are now, where you yeah. have to shipping or you yeah. just come pick them up. Their yeah. They were small enough. Like, I would pay for that service. Yeah. <laughs> like, if the entire neighborhood has him doing their laundry. He can literally just walk around. I hate the doing laundry. Sorry, this is me digressing. <laughs> I would pay as yeah. I would definitely pay this guy to, to do my laundry and deliver it. I'm assuming they dropped it off. Maybe he picked it up. He didn't let anybody into his shop. Yeah. So maybe he picked it up and maybe that's how he met new <gasps> so he met new customers. He just chatted with people on the street. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if I could actually see him chatting with people on the street. Yeah, he sounds like he He's kept to himself. Yeah. Yes. Um but anyway, yeah, he was making deliveries March what did I just say? March 9th. March 9th at ten fifteen. Pretty late. But he was gonna head back in. Mm-hmm. for the night it's important to note that he probably started another load of laundry yeah because his iron was hot oh so keep okay. that in mind so yeah he's like he comes home he's done for the day but he's probably a workaholic because what else is he gonna do sure he, you know um at 10 30 about 15 minutes after he gets back a neighbor a woman named lachlan smith what a name that yeah is, yeah this lovely little black lady that lived in that right next door, um, she hears a scuffle. Uh-oh. And it sounds like a fight. She hears shouting. She hears some thuds. She doesn't hear gunshots or anything, but she hears enough ruckus to think something is wrong. Yeah. So she goes to Isidore's door, and it's locked, as per usual, right? Um, but because it's locked, she can't get in to see if he's okay. Sure. She panics a little bit, and she goes out to the street. And it's night, again, it's night. Yeah, um, but she knows something's wrong. She knows something's wrong, so she goes to get help. And um, Officer Cattenborn is doing his patrol on the street. And she, like, hollers at him and drags him into this this area and is like, it's, something's wrong. Yeah. We need to get in there. God um, bless her. Yeah, she's... Because she not everybody, you know, like, there's, like, some people like, oh, hear no. stuff and they're like, not my business. There's a whole case about it. How a woman got stabbed in a courtyard and in a Kitty Genovese. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They that? taught that in one of my psychology classes. Gross. Yeah. That's a gross case. It's, yeah. Nobody did anything. Multiple people heard about it. Heard this woman yeah. dying, and being killed. Yeah. Thing. Props to Miss Lachlan Smith. That's what I'm saying. She was like. She she knew something was wrong. She was a good person, and she was yeah. like, "I'm gonna help. I'm gonna yeah. help him." I'm gonna go. 
I'm going to go help this man. So Officer Kattenborn gets there. And the door's locked, you know, just like it was when, when Lockwood went to check it. Um, and so he he actually, he finds that it's locked with a sliding seven-inch iron bolt from the inside. And I feel like I included that into my notes because that's a pretty heavy-duty lock. For sure. Um, and it's something to note that it was locked from the inside. Hmm. But anyway, the officer is like, okay, well, we're not getting in through the door. He looks up the transom window. You know what a transom window is? Mm-mm. Some windows, some doors have those little windows across the top. Okay. That can open and shut. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, you see it a lot in older houses. Mm-hmm. Um, so this transom window was a little bit open. They it's said. So squeeze in there. I have some, there are some mixed sources on the state of that window. The important part is that the officer looked at the transom window and said, hey, let's try getting in through there. Hey, grab me that kid out there. Because kids played outside late into the night. This, he did <laughs> not. He did that. not. He said, grab me that child. He said, sneak him in. Have him unlock the door. He, he doesn't know what's in there. <laughs> what in the world? So, so I, he, <sighs> he, he had a child that was nearby. He was like, okay. We don't know what kind of danger is behind that door, yeah. but go ahead, little Timmy. The killer could still be in there, but I'm going to chuck you over here. You're going to go through. <laughs> that is unreal. That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what that is unreal. Through that window. Said, I found a dead body, sir. Yeah. Oh, and my God. Did he really know? Unlocked the door, let the officer in, and they found poor Isidore Fink. Is, wait, is that child already? <laughs> I don't know. Somebody get even, him some therapy. No, no, one, no one named the child either, so I can't even be like, is he, he didn't give an F. He, didn't, yeah. he gave no Fs. No. Uh-uh. Nope. Um, it's the 20s. <laughs> What a time to be alive. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, there's some conflicting reports on whether or not the window was open. Some say that that the officer... So it had to be, like, a small person to fit in there. It had to be a small adult or a child who could fit in there. Okay. So either it was open or the officer had to, uh, like, break the window. Um, I could... Yeah, I couldn't get an accurate, like, detail Mm. on what was happening with that window. Personally... I don't think it's necessary to know because the likelihood of the killer using that window, for me, in my opinion, not fact, is slim. I don't think he used that. Well, I don't know how Isidore has passed yet, so we'll see. Okay, yeah. Okay, so the door's open. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind, imagine if you're a neighbor, you're hearing this ruckus, you're hearing Miss Lachlan freaking out because they can't get in the door, and then you see a cop go with her to the door, and then you see this child being chucked into the room through the window, you're probably going to stand outside and see what's going on, right? Absolutely. A crowd is collecting outside of Isidore's you know I'm gonna. Every, you yeah. know I'm going to be out in that crowd. You'll be right next to that cop. Be like, open it up. Let's see what we With got. With my bag of popcorn. With my ba- yeah, what's going on here? So a small crowd is collecting outside Isidore's door. So when the kid opens the door, the officer comes in, but so do, like, everybody. Oh, <laughs> To see, to see what happened, right? Now, that's important. To Not them contaminating in the crime exactly. scene. <laughs> Keep that in mind when thinking about the integrity of oh all Oh, my of this, God. This, this is such a shit show. It's the 20s. It's the 20s. So they come in. They come in and they pour, see poor Isidore laying on the ground, dead. Um, the iron that he was using on the laundry was still hot on the stove. Like so this was, just happened. He was actively working. Yeah, yeah. Not even, like... Within the 15 minutes before he was killed, yeah. he was actively working, doing his job like a, like the businessman he is. All of the windows were bolted shut still, like they usually were. Yeah. 
the door that the kid had to open was bolted the way that his door bolts his doors. There's no murder weapon. And there's no gun. It, and yet he has three bullet wounds. Oh, wh- he has two in his chest and one in his left hand. And so did he bled out then? That's yes. cause of he, death? Yeah. Yep. He's he's gone. No gun. Did anybody okay. did Lachlan hear gunshots? No, and that's that's the weird thing too is she heard a scuffle, she heard screams, and then she reacted. She did not hear. She notably did not hear a gun. But there were there three, puncture. Yeah, three bullet wounds, which means they were probably really close contact. Or and they, maybe there was a silencer or something. Yeah. I, I honestly I should have, but the the nature of the gun I didn't deep dive into. Which is very unlike me. I, I should have like researched what kinds of silencers they had in the twenties. Yeah, because this was the beginning. No, nah, I shouldn't say the beginning. Probably mid, because I've looked into the his- history of the mafia in America. Mm-hmm. Looked into it in detail. It actually started in the late eighteen hundreds. But um, I don't think the weapons. I don't know. Maybe they did have silencers. I'll look into that. Yeah, that's I'll a good question. Um, but. Either way, like something, if she was reacting in that close, even with a silencer, silencers don't silence, they just muffle. Mm-hmm. So it's it's weird. Yeah. It's weird that the, the gun's gone. It's weird that the door was locked from the inside. And it's weird that she didn't hear any gunshots. Yeah. Or she said that she didn't hear any gunshots. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. see, based on everything else she did and said, I don't see why she would leave that detail out. So I, and I like, they're her. sure that it was a gun. It- yeah, it's based cool. on the the autopsy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so the medical examiner thought actually that maybe the his left hand that was shot. So he had two bullet wounds in his chest, one in his left hand. The medical examiner said, "Okay, I think that his left hand got shot and has a little bit of a burn on it because he tried to grab the gun." Yeah, he was protecting um, himself yeah. for sure. Um because it was badly burned by the powder. Yeah, so it now, was probably right on the muzzle. Yeah, and then it shot him. Yeah, and maybe it even shot through and did that first bullet hole yeah. in his chest too. And then he like backed up and got shot a second time in the chest. I don't know. Or yeah, I don't yeah, know. he probably like they were fighting. He probably mm-hmm. tried to grab the gun and That's where the scuffle happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he got shot yeah. twice. Man. So um, poor Isidore. Mm-hmm. They uh. This is why people fixate on the how, because it was a locked, it was one of the first locked room mysteries that, you know. Yeah, it almost sounds sounds like a Sherlock Holmes case or something. That's exactly right. And that's why even the media, and this is why I feel really bad, even for previously taking this stance um, and presenting it like more of a riddle than a human being being killed. Um, Because even the media was like, yeah, who did it? Not not who did it. How did they do it? No one cared about who did it. Isidore, yeah. Yeah, no one cared about the victim. No one cared about the killer. They only cared about how did they pull this off. I personally feel like it was really simple. Yeah. I feel like it was simple because... It seems like a robbery or well, something. Well, here's the weird thing. Let me, let me dive into the crime scene for a second. So he's dead. The stove is... The uh, iron is still on the stove. Isidore had money in his pocket still. Weird. His cash register in his business was still full of full of ca- full of cash. Weird. He nothing that the police could identify was taken. Now, granted, they don't have a perfect idea of what was in the room before. Mm. Maybe there was something obscure that the killer wanted. 
But the fact is, why wouldn't they take all the money? Yeah, if, I mean, if they were there, if they were, if they were there for a robbery, you would still take the money. Uh-huh. You know, even even concert. if you didn't intend to kill him. Yeah, 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 yeah. So his worst fear of being robbed, I don't think that was what happened. I don't think that's no, that's weird. He was killed. Um, they even so this is the time of prohibition too. So the police, they like dug up and tore up the floorboards. They did so to see if he was yeah. producing like, alcohol. Was it, was it alcohol yeah. related? Nothing. They basically destroyed his entire shop, which is uh, so sad. Yeah. I mean, he's dead. He doesn't need it anymore. But it's still like, this is his livelihood. And right. the poor guy is dead. And you are just completely desecrating his entire his entire place of business. But um, they, they didn't find anything. Nothing. They couldn't find what could have been taken. They didn't find any secret hiding places. This guy was not making and selling. Well, that is crazy. He didn't have anything hidden in his house that they could, like, tell and as far as we know he was he was not in it, any criminal activities or that we knew of that yeah. we know of yeah, like you know like this knows. wasn't a hit or something yeah so there was a new york times article i also funny thing i subscribed to the new york times because they have articles dating back as far as their creation oh that's cool i know and i like the new york times it's four dollars for for four weeks like it's a dollar a yeah. week essentially yeah um so yeah, definitely subscribe. Yeah, I no, I like I like the Times too. Couldn't find any other original um, reporting of this case except through them. So I, um, yeah, I dug into it, and on March 11th, they reported that the police had noted a broken hinge on that transom window, which supported uh, their two theories that the either I don't really believe I am. Th- these are just the, the media theories. Okay, the first theory is that the perpetrator broke in through the window and then left the same way. No. Yeah, that's <laughs> Lachlan would have seen them. <laughs> and and all the windows were were all the rest of the windows were locked, but that one had a broken hinge. That's so someone could have it, broken... Yeah, this is very Sherlock Holmesy. It's weird. It's weird. So that was one of their big theories. The other one was that they were sh- he was shot through the window. So someone was up and shot in, but to me that doesn't make sense because I don't think the angles match up. Well, and also, like, if if she heard a scuffle, yeah, it sounded like there was somebody in the room. To me, too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Hmm. It's also frustrating because there was no real motive that they could find. Again, robbery was without. He didn't socialize. He he was a businessman. That was basically it. He was incredibly introverted. He was afraid of essentially everything. Do you think it was a, like, a hate crime? See, that's... That's a huge possibility. Here's my problem. If it's a hate crime, this makes me hurt inside. If it was a hate crime, it had to have been someone he knew. Because Aww. he opened the door. He opened <gasps> oh. the door for them, Which means if it was a hate-motivated situation, it was someone he knew and trusted enough to let in. And then they killed him. So that kills me. Inside. Or maybe maybe like or, a personal like argument. Yeah. Or like something like that. So, like... Well, let me let me dive into the witness statements. Yeah. Because uh they're both really interesting. So Lachlan, um, her 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 statement's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. She heard the scuffle, she went, got the cops, blah, blah, blah. She didn't say too much more on him as a person. I I got the feeling that Because she was a of, neighbor. Yeah, I got the feeling she knew him. She mm-hmm. was acquainted with him, but mm-hmm. it didn't sound like they were buds. She didn't Well, it sounds insights. like he's like very to himself. Yeah. She didn't have many details about him as a person. Yeah. So um, 
but they did. And I don't know if this is her witness account or someone else's, but there was a witness who said they reported that two well-dressed women were seen standing outside of his shop earlier that day. Hmm. They, uh, they reported that because they thought the, the women could have been a factor, especially because the second witness that they talked to mentioned that he never really talked to women he, oh. because he kept to himself, right? Oh, he kept himself. okay. So, or was yeah. he... It, see, you know, I don't know. It, yeah. Because that would... Maybe he was gay. Maybe. He just didn't talk to And it's, gay. it's, I mean, it's, it can, it can Again, be dangerous to be gay now. Hate it crime was is way dangerous back yeah. then. Yeah. Here's the sketchy thing about that witness, though. Okay. His name is Max Schwartz. That, oh my gosh. When I researched for this specific episode, I texted Caitlin frantically because I did not know about this witness account last time. I didn't. Mm. I dug it up and I was like, why didn't I know? This changes my entire perspective of the case. Max Schwartz, if you look at the original New York Times article, is cited as his roommate. Another account says that he's the landlord. That's the account I had previously read. And I was like, oh, the landlord doesn't think he he talks to anybody, especially women. And I kind of brushed off that witness thing. I was like, well, maybe the women are just customers. Like, it doesn't mean that they're actually involved. And the police brush it off. Like, they quickly are like, the women are not involved. Okay, who are the women and why are you talking yeah, about that? Yeah, seriously. But Max Schwartz being originally reported as his roommate was interesting to me because why didn't he hear anything? Where was he at 10, 15 at night? Great point. Also, why was he so quick to say that Isidore would not be involved with these two women? Also, Uh-oh. Isidore would open that door for him. For sure. So there's a couple theories that could be extrapolated here. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were partners. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe Max was the one involved with the women and he wanted to just disconnect the women from Isidore. Yeah. Maybe Isidore saw an interaction with a woman that Max was not supposed to have and then they got in a fight about it. Yeah. And so Max. And it was a crime of passion. Yeah. I don't don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot of things, but I don't get good vibes from Max. I'm not going to speak ill of the dead because I've never met this man. Very little details are given about him other than his reports to the police and what I can assume is just a lack. He didn't. Where was he? If he lives there. Yeah. What, it makes sense in my mind. My mind's filling in the gaps that he was the one that was there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel that. like anytime there's a crime, you know, it's you look at like the person that the closest person yeah. to that person mm-hmm. is like the number, like the first, unless they have a really strong alibi, yeah. they're going to be like the first suspect. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's why the spouse is usually the first. Yeah. The sibling, if the roommate is usually right. the first, you know, right. it could have been. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And maybe it has nothing to do with his potential lifestyle. Maybe it has everything to do with his potential lifestyle. I don't know. But when I read when I read that about Max, I was like, why didn't I know this last time? Yeah. Last time. That's really interesting. Let me just tell you, last time when I did cover this case with Caitlin, we focused a lot on the mafia because in during the Great Depression, I don't know if any of you knew this already. During the Great Depression, mobsters um, did a lot of loan sharking, mm-hmm. which ended up being super bene- beneficial for them when the economy recovered, because what they would essentially do is they would loan money to small business owners. Mm-hmm. They would hike up the interest rates so that they couldn't really be paid. But then when the economy recovered and the business started to be booming, at that point, the owners of the business were not actually benefiting at all because it was all going to the mobster to pay right. the debt. right. It's not not the stupidest idea 
No. Definitely unethical. Well, um, they knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. They weren't stupid. Yeah. Um. So they, the reason though that I like, I like the the theory that maybe it was a mobster threatening him because he owned his business. But like you can't, and you see this in mobster movies all the time. You can't collect money on a dead guy. So like, right. Why would they kill him? Well, and it's also like to me, you know, a mob a mob hit is very cut and dry. Yes. There's no scuffling. They know what they're doing and it's one in the head and that's it. Or pop the kneecaps to send a message and then leave. For so yeah. Be hospitalized exactly. Yeah. But you can tell a story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So But you better keep your mouth shut. <laughs> I like really love mafia stories. No, I do too. I'm I I do too. I I think it's fascinating. As much as I really like, but that was also when I was viewing this as a riddle and not a human being. It is a door with a human being, mm-hmm. um, who could have seen something that his roommate was doing that was not great. Who could have been involved with his roommate? He, anything? Yeah. Anything is possible. Yeah. I I, str- I do feel whatever the motive was. I think there's something Max wasn't telling everybody. Yeah, I agree. For sure. Yeah. Because. Like, yeah. And why did And why why were you so quick to dismiss those women? Yeah. Unless you knew something. Unless you knew the wit unless you were the one like consorting, I think is one of the words yeah. used in his witness statement. If you were the one consorting with these women, I don't know. I don't know. Because well, the and, easy thing for me would have been to be like, yeah, they were customers. I, I mean I've seen in in, you know, interrogations where like a, a killer will, you know, say so and so wasn't involved because they know. So and so wasn't involved because they did it. They did it yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. So I yeah. So many possibilities with Mr. Mr. Max. Yeah. Max Inter- Schwartz. Intre- yeah, interesting. Maybe maybe he's you know he's he's dead right now too because this happened forever ago. Maybe he's up there being like you dumb dumb. I didn't do this. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. But it didn't get good vibes when I read that part of the story. Yeah. Didn't at all. So the police efforts too made me mad because um. They, well, you know, we've talked about the hate crime thing. Mm-hmm. If it was his religious background, if it was his ethnicity. Well, and I feel like police didn't, didn't really care no. about that kind of thing. They didn't. Which is so sad. And I couldn't find, I'm telling you, when I say I spent hours digging, I spent hours digging to find out what detective was on the case. Mm-hmm. I couldn't access um, any police files at all. Even the old ones. Like, there's no archives that have them. I think I would have to go in person to the NYPD. But um, I did find out who the commissioner was. It was Grover Whalen at the time, the New York City Police Grover. That guy's so... The more I read about him, a lot of sources actually cited it wrong. They said that um, Edward Mulroney, Mulroney? Mulroney? Mulroney, whatever, was the commissioner at the time. He wasn't. He was the one right after Grover. Gotcha. And that is because... Grover Whalen, at the time, well, shortly after where Isidore was killed, Grover was involved in a, in a like, police brutality kind of a thing because there was a demonstration happening and he set a bunch of uniformed officers to get really rough with these citizens. And he Gee. was forced to resign. Like, and then two months later, Mulroney took over. So while Mulroney is the one who dubbed the Isidore's case unsolvable, he was not even the commissioner when Isidore was killed. It was Waylon, this sketchy dude who did not care clearly about human beings. So policing was pretty similar about a hundred years ago. Probably. 
probably worse. Again, gotcha. because the mafia was so right. prevalent too, you know. Yeah. Everyone was in everybody's pockets, you know. Yeah. Um, but good gracious, good gracious, this man. Yeah, I, I, seeing all of that and seeing his history, he didn't even stop there too. When he was forced to resign, he ended up running as mayor, I'm pretty sure. Or he went to switch to politics instead of law enforcement. I'm like, yeah, you better see for that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, yeah, so the police, they, again, the police and the media were less concerned about who did it mm-hmm. than concerned about how they did it. That's so interesting. Yeah, so it was reported a couple times as being unsolvable and like, hey, this is a mind bender here. Look at that. And then they all just moved on. Because it was a murder in the slums. Yeah. Even though it wasn't a robbery, they kind of treated it. You know, like, mm-hmm. these days, they would write it off as just gang activity. Yeah. We're not going to look into it. Yeah. It's just gang activity. Yep. They blame it. They would blame yeah. it on something. Yeah. And, yep. Mm-hmm. So, I think... Um, Case closed. Yeah. It, it was way too easy mm-hmm. to just brush it off. Just, well, I mean, yeah. how like, they're not going to use resources for, you know, poor people in the slums. Yeah. Poor little... Which is, you know, awful. I really, I really like, oh, we're hitting the end of the episode. <gasps> oh my gosh. Are we going to have to do a two-parter? Probably not. I have like two theories and then we're probably done. Um, So it'll be a little lengthy, but not quite an hour and a half like our first episode. But we're trying to be mindful of your guys' time. So I won't run too long, but I will say um, eventual theories. I told you about the one shooting through the ransom window. I hate that theory. Yeah, I don't like it that. It just... So well, and it it wouldn't it wouldn't cause a scuffle yeah. if you're outside of the building unless you fell off the chair you're standing on to shoot. It, unless you fell inside, and then you're the one who screamed. Yeah, because you fell off the chair like an idiot. No, I don't think that. No, I don't happen. buy it. Um, the the there's a theory eventually. Now this is from the internet because again they focused a lot on like who could have done it. Well, they focused more on how they could have done it, but a couple people were like, "What about who?" I appreciate those people, even if I don't agree with their theories. One of the theories is the responding officer who was nearby. The cop? One of, yeah, that's a theory is that he was nearby because he had just done it. They think it was the cop? Yeah. Interesting. So I read that and I was like, I don't know. I don't Why know. though? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, if you're going with like, okay, the police corruption mafia angle, sure. But again, if it's a matter of him owing the mafia money, they wouldn't have killed him. They would have just, you know. Hit him in the kneecaps. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't I want I don't love that theory, but I see where they're coming from. Like yeah. he, was, he was on the beat, he was right nearby for Lachlan to just grab him because he had just left. Mm-hmm. But I feel if that's if that's the case, I think Lachlan might have would have seen. Well, or, and then wasn't he like cruising around? Yeah. Well, he was at least walking. It definitely it, uh, that I doesn't make sense to me. Another theory that I really hated was Lachlan. Oh no! And, you know, this is why Lachlan's I, not doing that. This is why I hated it because every this is in the twenties. I can't. I mean, I get mad, For, but I can't. What get reason that. would she have? Exactly. There's no motive. There's, but I think this is going along with. Oh, we don't know the motive, so it could have been anybody. Yeah, sure. Oh, I guess. Come on, but, grow, um, grow up. I didn't like how dismissive people were in the media about her because she's black. She That's, was a black woman living in that neighborhood, so they were And like, she was going out of her way to help somebody in used, trouble. You know how, how the media was in the 20s. They used choice words to describe people like her that made me it's disgusting. frustrated with yeah. them. I um I don't I don't think it was her. There's no good No. Reason. There's no good there's no motive. I, I, mean, I feel it in my gut that yeah. it was not Lachlan. I feel like the lengths that she went to to help him and the honesty she had with the cops, there's no 
What what reason? Why would she do that? No There's no reason. There's no reason. I, I'm telling you, I think it's Max. Um, yeah, I. it sounds to me like that makes the most sense. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, they live together. Maybe they were lovers. Uh, maybe something happened. It's, and it sounds to me, too, like if they they were fighting over, like, the gun and with the multiple, like, bullet wounds, that it was maybe an accident. Yeah, that's what um, I would assume. Yeah, and, yeah. like, it, like maybe it was a dramatic fight mm-hmm. that, like, became that. Yeah. And the motive could have, again, anything. Yeah. It could have been anything. They could have even been fighting about money. And maybe they, Max was there and he hid. Maybe Max was the landlord and the roommate, and that's why the description gets muffled over time. Maybe it was a fight over money. Yeah. Who knows? It, yeah, we don't know. Um, My theory as to how, again, I think it's way simpler than everyone's making it. I think he let the killer in because he knew him. Mm-hmm. I think or he was already there. Or he was already there. They had a disagreement. Mm-hmm. There was a scuffle. Mm-hmm. There was a crowd of people waiting outside when the door was open. I think it would be super easy for a killer to be hiding behind a coat rack or something. That's what I'm so saying. The crowd yeah. comes in yeah. and then he sneaks yeah. out with the crowd. For sure. I don't think it's like the mind-bending riddle. No. No. Everyone's making it. Yeah, definitely so. not. I, I think it's way simpler and I think it's probably a domestic. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, I don't... And the two, the way that, that Max responded, the two women that were fancy dressed, and the way that the police also dismissed the, the fact that the two women were there makes me think that Max was involved with big players. I don't know how. Maybe he was involved in mafia activity, and, and Isidore was uncomfortable with that because he's afraid of his own safety. Interesting. Yeah, that's a, a theory that yeah. Could he could have been like, yo, I don't know how yeah. to feel about yeah, no shit. If he's already afraid of being robbed, like imagine living with a guy in the mob. What if what if the arrival mob comes and burns your Mm-mm. building down? Like, I don't know. These are the days of Al Capone. Yeah. It's not not safe. I don't I don't I feel really bad for him. Yeah, well, poor Isidore. And he was working so hard. Yeah. Uh, we hope you rest in peace, Isidore. Yeah. So yeah, that's my theory. I think there's something about that Max guy. I don't, um, I don't think he's my number one suspect. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I want to reiterate that it's a a fascinating case, but he's a human being. So we're going to respect him as a human being and not as a a locker room mystery as the world is. Yeah. What? That's so weird. Yeah. A dude died. Fresh when it happened, they're like, what a crossing mystery. What a crossing mystery. What's wrong with with people? Yeah, like getting justice for Isidore? No, it didn't. Mm. It makes me sad. Um, but yeah, so for a guy who even did business damage for a lot for like what an end to come to. It's sad. It's on a happier note. You wanna end with a treat? Yes, I'm ready. Um, we have a savory treat today, and I, I have to confess that it is one of my f- personal favorite treats. And um, I'm hoping that you enjoy. Yeah. Uh, we have Kettle Brand Salt and Vinegar yes. Potato Chips. Perhaps the best salt and vinegar potato oh, yeah. chips. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's crack this baby open. All right, listen to that crinkling. <laughs> you got it? No. Oh, ah, smell that vinegar. Ah, oh, 
so good. Okay. I think I already know my rating, but I'm gonna try it anyway. So we can give this an honest. Ready? I'm so ready. Set, go. Mmm. It's so good. Five skulls. Five skulls, baby. Five skulls. Way to go, Kettle Brand. Mmm. It's the perfect it. French. I like It's the perfect amount of salt and vinegar. <laughs> yeah, I like that we switched it up too. And yeah, we, we had a lot of sweets. Yeah. It was it was about time for a savory. Mm-hmm. We're using cookies in you know, a very loose You term. know who else likes salt and vinegar chips? Mm. Boone. My dog <laughs> loves it. He's got good taste. He's, he's kind of a weirdo, but he yeah. likes salt and vinegar chips. What a precious little weirdo. Shout out to Boone. Shout out to oh, Boone. Mommy loves you. He's hiding upstairs so he doesn't interrupt us. <laughs> good job, Boone. I love it. Yep, five yeah, skulls. Five skulls. And good job, Kettle Brand. That's the first five skull rating. Oh yeah, it's the first one. <laughs> it's I mean it's hard it's hard to get there. Yeah, it is. It is. We are a tough crowd. Uh huh. But these are it. These are the ones. Keep it up, Kettle Brand. All right. Well, stay tuned for our next episode. I guess. Thanks for cookies and criming with us. Thanks for cookies and criming with us. We had such a good time. We're glad you're still here. And we actually didn't run too late either. Yeah. We didn't run too long. It's only about forty five minutes. So stay safe out there. Yep. And we'll see you next time. Bye bye.